This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we've got a very special guest with us. We have Brother Nathan Sterneman, tremendous man of God. Uh, he has released a book um, about sort of the subject we're going to be talking about. Um, and uh, he'll tell us a little bit about that. Um, but Brother Sterneman, I'd like you to just tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself, your ministry, where you uh, are right now, um, and what God's doing through your ministry. Yes, sir. Good to be with you, Brother Crooker. Um, excited about what God's going to do today and, and for what uh, the Lord wants to share in our time together. And uh, I am a minister. I uh, operate uh, under the covering uh, and out of the base of Liberty Tabernacle, uh, Apostle and Pastor Brian Lane in uh, New Whiteland, Indiana. And uh, uh, work in the uh, areas and the giftings and the callings of the uh, of the prophetic and the teaching, um, and uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do um, in this end time. I know today we're going to be focusing on uh, the subject of fatherhood in particular, uh, and this is a very a very pertinent subject, very important subject uh, that is oftentimes overlooked, and uh, and so I'm excited about what God is going to share with us today. Amen. So as uh, Brother Sterneman has mentioned, we're going to be uh, sort of focusing in on the importance of the fatherhood role, um, not only in uh, the family, but also spiritually um, and in the body of Christ as well. Um, so let's just roll with it. Let's go right ahead, and, and we'll just start what you have prepared. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, today I feel the Lord has uh, uh, led me to talk to you. Uh, let me clarify just a little bit to let you know. the uh, I have a book, but yet it has not been released as of yet. Um, I was going to release it about a little bit more than a year ago, and I got a a, um, uh, a word from an elder that the season had not yet come for it to be released just yet. And so uh, with that being said, uh, I'm in the season now where, where there was an indication that there's an open window, and I don't think it's a mistake that, uh, that we've come together today and that, that it could be that it could be very soon that this would be released. <clears throat> and so uh, one of the chapters in particular the Lord placed on my heart um uh, in the title of the chapter, uh, the title of our, our message today is Abel was a keeper, but Cain was a teller. Abel was a keeper, but Cain was a teller. The, uh, the title of the book is Restoring Fatherhood, Restoring Fathers in the Home and in the Church. And the subtitle is Overcoming the Way of Cain. And so let me begin today and begin to share with you some of the thoughts regarding uh, this subject in particular regarding Abel and Cain. See, there have been two key roles uh, of mankind since the beginning of time, two key roles of ministry since the beginning of time, the builder and the keeper. These two callings have been steadfast and have manifested in various forms throughout history. Tiller and keeper, builder and watchman, prophet and priest, prophet and pastor. 
among others as well. Both of these roles began with Adam, whom God put into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it, in Genesis 2.15. The primary meaning of the word dress is to work, to serve, and to till, while the word keep means to hedge about, to guard, to protect, and to preserve. You see, the first man, Adam, was called to fulfill both the roles of building and keeping. He was basically the king of the garden. He had been given much responsibility and authority, such as naming the animals and naming the woman. If it was to be done, Adam did it. However, when God looked upon Adam, he proclaimed, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Genesis 2.18. You see, the Lord knew of man's need for human intimacy, but he also was aware that he would need help in the midst of the coming trials and the temptations that he would face. He saw that the first man needed someone. For woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he has not another to help him up. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he took one of his ribs and made he a woman and brought her under the man. The man and the woman would become partners on the same team. Instead of the man being both builder and keeper, the woman would help by fulfilling the role of the keeper. The woman's role as keeper was mentioned by Paul in his letter to Titus, in Titus 2.15, in which he instructed the woman, the women to be keepers at home. The woman was to preserve and to maintain the home. This vital role can be seen in the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31 as well. She bringeth her food from afar, giveth meat to her household. She layeth her hands to the spindle. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. You see, the role of the keeper is vital in the home, in the family, and shortly we'll talk about in the church as well. When we look back at Malachi's prophecy, well, which we had mentioned previously um, in, in, in the book, Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet uh, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers. When we look back at that, the Lord said uh, that unless this happens, a curse would come. Let me go and interject here. I'm afraid that we are in this season of that curse right now. You see, it is not uncommon for much of a young child's life to be spent with the mother. The mother has a significant role in the heart interaction between the father and his children. In other words, a mother plays a, an important role in whether the heart of a child is open toward their father and whether the heart of a father is tender toward his children. In our society, there is much resistance to the role of the woman as the keeper in the home. So the question should be asked why the subtle plan of the enemy is to devalue and to weaken the home. One of the key tools of the enemy is to diminish the importance of the family and the home. To put it simply, the adversary desires to see the home and the family divided and destroyed because he knows if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalms 11.3. The enemy understands the importance of the foundational roles of the father and the mother. 
Thus, we must be aware that if we drift too far from the roles established by God for the family, we put ourselves and our loved ones at risk. While it is clear that the role of the woman as keeper in the home is not steadfast as it once was in our society, many women still find security in their place of habitation. Their home is a place of stability and comfort for them. This is something that God placed within them. But, but the enemy, the adversary, desi desires to distance them from this place of comfort, shelter, and stability. You see, it's critical that we understand that we as the church, as, as, as believers, understand that without a keeper, desolation will come to the home and to the church as well. The book of Proverbs gives us a picture of a place that lacked a true keeper. It's in Proverbs 24, 30, and 31. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles that covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. This vineyard uh, faced a state of desolation and had been neglected to the point of showing signs of abandonment. The negligent keeper had failed to understand that diligence and vigilance was needed to maintain the vineyard. Oh, how important the keeper is. You see that word desolation, that desolation is a powerful word. It means devoid of inhabitants and visitors, deserted, joyless, sorrowful, showing the effects of abandonment and neglect, dilapidated, barren, lifeless, devoid of warmth, comfort, or hope, gloomy, desolation. You see, sadly, the keeper is undervalued not only in the home, and in society, but also in the body of Christ. We are oftentimes caught up in the body of Christ in the glamour of building bigger and building better. We say grow, 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 and grow some more. However, we must understand that a balance between building and keeping and between increase and stability is vitally important. Just as growth is vital to the body, the role of a true keeper is essential to the overall health of the church. Without a keeper, the church will decay and become anemic and malnourished. The apostle Peter was very clear to the keepers of the church about the importance of their role in 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 3. He said, "The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly." not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither, here's the key, key phrase right here, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. You see, Peter was insistent upon uh, the, the, the keepers and the, the elders giving proper care to the body of Christ. He noted the power of example as being one of the most effective tools in the spiritual keeper's toolbox. You see, local ministers such as pastors, elders, and deacons are called to be an example to the people day after day and week after week. They are constantly tending to the needs of individuals and families in the body of Christ, oftentimes putting the needs of others before their own needs. They suffer with the people in the midst of heartache and trials and stand by the side of the grieved and the afflicted. They are essentially married to the local church caring for her needs. If a church is to be healthy, 
the local church as seen in the book of Acts must not only have a pastor, but also deacons and elders to adequately care for the many needs of the people, especially in the day that we're living in right now. You see, the presence of an effective team of keepers in the local church cannot be overstated. The church must reject the notion that only one man is capable of leading and intimately caring for the local church. Too often we cling to the unhealthy belief that one man must be both builder and keeper of God's flock. When we insist that the pastor must be both the builder and the keeper, we will ultimately diminish the effectiveness of the pastor's true calling as the primary keeper in the local church. The truth is that a team of both keepers and builders should be connected to every local church to ensure its health, its balance, and its growth. You see, let's look back for just a moment at Moses. He's an example of a great man of God who was not gifted to continually bear the, the whole burden of caring for God's people. His primary purpose instead was a ministry of deliverance as instructed by the Lord at the, at the burning bush. In Exodus 3.10, the Lord told him, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. The primary purpose of Moses did not include taking the people through the wilderness. This great task of caring and leading the people through the wilderness would require the giftings and the callings of others. Thus, God instructed Moses at the burning bush. He also gave him another instruction. Go gather the elders of Israel together. From the very beginning, God was trying to help this great leader to see his need for others if he was going to accomplish the work that God called him to do. You see, if Moses was to be successful in leading the people through the wilderness, he would need a team. Yet he did not fully understand this great need as seen during a visit by his father-in-law. When Moses ate with Jethro, he gathered together the elders to eat with them. And Jethro, Exodus 18:12, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. But yet, the very next day, you'll see that the elders could not be found during the time of counsel and ministry to the people. Exodus 18 and 13 says, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. This great leader was having a very difficult time transitioning from deliverer to caretaker, from builder to keeper, from prophet to pastor. You see, Jethro was sent by God to try to help Moses in that area and while it appears that Moses did, for a time at least, apply some of the instruction that he had received from Jethro, he continued to struggle with the spirit of that transition. We see that struggle uh, uh, apparent in his two encounters with the rock. The first rock encounter was prompted by the people complaining about a lack of water. We find this in Exodus chapter 17. Moses responded whenever the people complained by crying out to God. They'd be almost ready to stone me. The Lord then instructed him to take the rod, which he had used at the Red Sea, and to smite the rock, and there should come forth water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so. Then, when another shortage of water came about, the people began to complain again. 
The Lord's instruction to Moses this time, though, would offer up a very difficult test for this great deliverer. He said, God did to Moses, take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. You see, the Lord was now asking Moses to use a different leadership approach, not the hands-on approach of strength and might that he had become accustomed to during the plagues and at the Red Sea with his rod. God was now asking him to use his tongue instead of his rod. Moses' response to God's instruction illustrates the struggles of a builder with the gentle tools of a keeper. As Moses stood before the people, Instead of speaking to the rock, he instead smote it again, but yet twice with the rod. As a result of his disobedience, he was reproved by God to the point that he was kept out of the promised land. And I believe it's because he did not show and he did not uh, prove to God that he had the leadership skills needed to take somebody through the promised land into a place of habitation. You see, it's important to understand that every builder will have times in their life and ministry where the tools of a keeper are needed for them to accomplish the task at hand. The opposite is true as well. Every keeper will have times where they will need to briefly pick up the tools of a builder. During these brief times of keeping in the life of a builder such as Moses, it is difficult for the builder to harness the zeal that is so often needed in their primary calling. They struggle to pick up the delicate tools of the keeper and put down their own tools of strength and might that are so effective for them. They change from a way that has been so successful to, to an unproven method for them. You, but you see, it's important that we understand this is not only important in, in ministry, but it's also important in the home because earthly fathers also have a difficult time oftentimes in this transition from builder to keeper. You see, as, as children are young, their father is a builder in their life. The wise book of Proverbs addresses uh, the leader of the family about how he should deal with uh, uh, young children, uh, the immature behavior. Proverbs says, whoever spares the rod hates the son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. You see, the rod is used to build discipline in the child through correction. But yet as children transition into a place of independence and maturity, Fathers are then faced with a time of transition, a time of transition from builder to keeper. And they're also given another example in the book of Proverbs of healthy leadership to a mature young person. In Proverbs 23, 19, one of my favorite scriptures, it says, Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. You see, these are the words of a wise father to a maturing son. It's easy to notice the presence of gentle instruction and the absence of the strong rod in this verse in Proverbs 23. The time comes for fathers when the rod must be set aside for wise instruction, gentle instruction. The strong rod of reproof is replaced with a kinder tongue of instruction and wisdom. You see, the need for youth to transition from immaturity to maturity 
is vital in our day. A youth who has not been taught to respond to this kind and gentle instruction and to respond to it will often face the rod again, but in the form of handcuffs and prison. You see, the failure of fathers to facilitate this transition is largely why our prisons are full of the fatherless. This is why it is so vital that we have leaders who arise up in the heart of a father, both in the home and in the church. Such leaders understand that they cannot do it alone due to their personal limitations and weaknesses. Yes, I said, once again, leaders have limitations and they have weaknesses both in their ministry and their personal life where they need others. They're not afraid to share the ball, healthy leaders that is, with their teammates since they are not seeking personal glory and accolades. They understand that different types of leaders are needed for different environments and circumstances. You see, God gave us an example of this when he raised up one man to lead his people out of Egypt into the wilderness and another man for the trek out of the wilderness and through the land of promise to a place of habitation. The Lord understood that the promised land would not always be a place of visitation. The people would not always be moving from one location to another. They would eventually come into a place of habitation. Habitation is the, the state or the process of living in a particular place of residence, a place in which someone lives, a house, or a home. You see, a place of habitation is where the patience and the peace of a keeper is most needed, whereas the strength and the power of a builder is most needed in a season of visitation. The Apostle Paul aptly described the spirit of a true keeper in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He said, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You see, this was the spirit that God was looking for when he found Joshua, a leader who would recognize the giftings and the abilities of those around him. While Joshua did possess the strength to lead the people to conquer the promised land, the most important quality needed for promised land leadership was found in Joshua, and that was his readiness and his ability to promote those around him. We can see this leadership distinction between Moses and Joshua very clearly at the crossings of the Red Sea and the Jordan River. During the Red Sea crossing, only one man could be seen at the front of the people. It was Moses with his rod. At the crossing of the Jordan River, Instead of only seeing one man, we see several priests out front leading and carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and Joshua could not be seen, at least by many uh, around him. He was not at the forefront. You see, a promised land leader understands his place as a facilitator. If the people of Israel were to conquer and possess the land of Canaan, they could not lean on one man anymore, but they would need to develop a sense of maturity and independence. They would now divide into 12 tribes, and each tribe would develop a team of leaders to occupy its own territory. But yet we see a notable struggle with this transition during Israel's campaign to conquer the land, and that's where Joshua's leadership came into place. There were several tribes who called, uh, or who stalled rather, in Shiloh. They stalled, they stopped, instead of possessing their land. Joshua had a strong message for them. How long are you slack to go possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? You see, the place of Shiloh means tranquil, peaceful. 
In other words, they had come to a place where they were at ease in Zion. But Joshua stood to, stood up to the to the moment, and he facilitated the next step of the process by instructing them to choose men who could bridge the gap to their next step. In Joshua 18.4, he said, Give out from among you three men for each tribe, and I will send them so that they could go possess their land. This was the giftings of a promised land leader on full display. Someone who was not ready to do it himself, but yet who somebody who was ready to be able to put somebody else into action and delegate authority. While we marvel at the giftings of both a wilderness leader and a promised land leader, it is always important to remind ourselves that God is the one who imparted the grace for both the leader, both the builder and the keeper to be successful in the respective areas of leadership. The psalmist David reminded us, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You see, unless God is in our work, our efforts are empty. The giftings of the builder and the keeper are only complete in Christ. In order for us to accomplish the great work of harvest, we need a team. Teamwork is one of God's key principles of life. Two is better than one, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. As many a single parent would attest to, it is very difficult for one person to carry the burden of a family. Instead, God has called for a team to work together to accomplish his vital mission, a father and a mother, a husband and a wife. Likewise, the church needs a team of builders and keepers to fulfill the great commission of reaching the whole world. We must not force one man to be both the builder and the keeper, both the cheerleader and the coach, both the pitcher and the cleanup hitter. This is why it is vital that both Cain and Abel always realize their need one for another. This is why we need to understand that the builder needs the keeper and the builder and the keeper needs the builder. The builder needs the keeper and the keeper needs the builder. We need one another. God bless you today. Wow. So that was, that was an incredible study and I appreciate the, the time and the study and, and clearly the prayer that has gone into the preparation. So a, a father is, he's a builder and a keeper, but not just that, he's a leader and he's got to learn how to be a delegator as well and not just a delegator, someone that is willing to relinquish tasks from himself to others, but also a facilitator. So a facilitator of that spiritual growth. And it's a lot like, I mean, I've got five children. So when they were raising, growing up and learning how to walk, to facilitate that growth of learning how to walk, you have to allow them to fall sometimes but you've got to be there to help pick them up and so one man in in the aspect of, of the church one man is not responsible for the sustainability of the church 
but that it's a group effort. And that's why God gave us all different abilities, different different callings, different gifts, different in the, in the gifts of the Spirit and, and the fruit of the Spirit. And so we have all these things, and God gave each and every one of us different gifts, severally as He will, for the edification or the building up of the body. Amen. What are your thoughts? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, sir. Yeah, we're at, we're at a very uh, critical time in the body of Christ right now, where or it's vital that uh, that pastors, uh, in particular, understand the importance of the need for a for a team. Uh, it's comparable. I'm also an RN as well. Uh, it's comparable to uh, somebody that works in the medical field uh, in the ICU. Uh, we are in a period of time right now in our society. Where, where, where we have patients who are not just on the general floor, but yet they're they're in need of an ICU. Uh, and an ICU unit uh, has, a, has a lower ratio of care. In other words, one uh, caregiver to two patients, uh, one caregiver to three patients versus one caregiver to 10 to 15. And so it's, uh, it's vitally important that we understand when we fail to have a team we will exhaust ourselves. It's called caregiver uh, fatigue. And, and so therefore, it's, it's vitally important that we understand that we need one another to strengthen one another, to help each other in our task uh, of caring for the body of Christ and caring for the church. Um, I want to just jump back to um, when you were talking about the father uh, being in the home, specifically a uh, a builder, and then at some point there's that transition from the things that we've built into the children to a keeper, and you talk about wisdom and, and, and knowledge and sort of impartation um, into your children and into the home. Um, so Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way that they should go, and he will not depart from it. How do you think the apostolic church could do this better with their children? And um, I'm from a generation where I'm probably one of, you know, four or five hundred. And maybe only 20 of us are still in church from our youth group. So how do you think that? The apostolic church, the fathers, and and spiritual leadership. How can how can we do this better? Well, this is where the uh, this is where the issue lies at. Uh, you know, sadly, there's many leaders who have failed to see the importance of transitioning from from, from uh, being a, a king to being a father. We have a we have an epidemic of kingship in the body of Christ. And so, in other words, it's it's very easy, it's, it's and sometimes it's also uh, it's a more simpler way of going about it. It's just for one man to take care of everything, for one man to bring down uh, you know the law, for one man to bring down the rules, and for everybody just to abide by the word of one man. Because the truth of the matter is, is that an immature people do need a king for a season. The people of Israel needed Moses. And Moses only was effective as their leader 
but only for a season from the time that they escaped Egypt till the time that they crossed the the Red Sea. That was the time at which that kingship was needed. But yet Moses failed for a period of time, especially to see the need to begin to incorporate others into his leadership at that point. And he began to be overwhelmed. And so, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is whenever one man uh, takes upon himself the, the, the need to lead hundreds of people, uh, you know, 15, 20, 30, 50, 60 families, instead of teaching fathers, instead of pouring his life and his heart into others who can then reach out to the, to, uh, to the families in the home, uh, that's where we as the body of Christ have got to improve uh, or, or otherwise we will continue to see uh, the neglect, the failure uh, of this discipleship of our children and, and, and of new converts as well. So over the years, I, I, I have noticed um, that there are families who they'll come to church on Sunday um, occasionally Wednesday, um, and when they're in church, they worship, they sing, they give their tithes, they give their offerings. And so that example of going to church is great, but it's there seems to be a lack of consistency. Would you say that that a lack of consistency in being so diligent at church. So if you're not consistent in church, chances are you're not consistent at home. And children need that consistency. So we read here, you know, train up a child in the way that they should go. If you're going to skip church because it's hot out and you want to go to the beach, what's that telling that child is most important in your life? We know that God needs to be the most important thing. Jesus is the most important thing. And so when we live our life, we have to live it in a way that reflects that. And so I find that oftentimes these children don't end up serving God because the, those parents, those fathers, didn't set that example, that precedent in their lives. Exactly. Yeah, we, we've built a culture in the church oftentimes, and this certainly is not every church, hopefully, uh, and I'm certain it's not, uh, to where everything is centered around the church. Everything is centered around the church, and of course, that facilitates kingship because that's where uh, that one great man can lead everybody is that one building. But yet, if you'll look in the uh, book of Acts, you'll see a church that knew the balance of, of the, the temple and the home. You'll see that even in Acts chapter 2. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and signals of heart. You see, sometimes we say, well, it's, it's because they didn't have all the buildings that we have in our day and time. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think they understood that if they were to build a healthy culture in the church, that there needed to be an emphasis not only upon the church building, but also in the home as well. 
Amen. Tremendous. I, I, I love this. I, this is so important because if, if we are going to get to where God wants us to go in this end time, there's going to have to be some fathers that are willing to stand up and willing to not only direct and teach, but to get to a place where they're facilitating their children's own spiritual growth. Because here's the thing, you know it and I know it, but we can't ride to heaven on the coattails of our pastor or our father. And so at some point, our children are going to have to get what we have for themselves. And so we have to be that leader that is willing to allow that keeping season. Allow for, so if you were a, a farmer, you, you can't just, you plant the seed and it doesn't just happen overnight. It, you don't have, you know, corn or, or potatoes or any of that. It doesn't happen overnight. There's, there's a period of growth. And so we have to facilitate that as fathers and, and as men of God in the church. Amen. You're exactly right. Yeah, the, uh, the the farmer in the garden is a very good example regarding the, you know, the tiller and the keeper. And uh, you see, that's why that's why it's important, and uh, that that we as the church continue to develop the fivefold ministry among us. You know, I, I know that there's been failures in the past, that there's been uh, hiccups in the past, things that have uh, that have happened that have not been. Uh, of, of the greatest uh, report, uh, but that's all a part of growth, and uh, and somehow we've got to get back to the fullness of the fivefold ministry, and uh, you know just to put it plainly, the keepers in the body of Christ are the, are the pastor and the teacher, and the builders are the apostle and the prophet, with the evangelist having a unique role of being oftentimes both both a builder and a keeper. Um, and so it's important that we understand, you know, oftentimes our, our, our church are not, our churches are not growing, truly growing. You know, we, we see people coming in, uh, we see people filling buildings up, but that's not growth. That's not, that's not kingdom growth. That's just, that's just physical earthly growth. That's a happening where you got somebody sitting, you know, a warm body filling the seat. We need to see spiritual growth happening in people's lives. Uh, people maturing, becoming disciples of Christ, and, and becoming everything that God called them to be. And so that comes with investment, investing ourselves and our time, and that impartation, that that seeing a vision and giving that same vision to your congregation, if you're a pastor, to your family, if you're a father, um, you know, to... Uh, your group of, of friends, if you're a leader, um, and really any leadership role, we need to be able to catch the vision of God, and we need to be able to impart that same vision to the people that are surrounding us. And it's got to be in line with the Word of God. There is no vision that you're going to receive that that does not line up with the Word of God. And so if, it's, if you feel like you've got a vision that is telling you to disobey uh, your pastor or um, that spiritual leadership in your life, 
it's not of God. And you need to get Amen. and we need to get on our face and we need to make sure that our vision lines up with our pastor's vision and with the word of God. When you have those two things, that is where that true growth will happen. That true spiritual growth that Brother Sturdivant was talking about. Wow. This has been tremendous. Brother Sturdivant, we're so thankful and we appreciate the time uh, that you've given us today. Uh, this is going to be a blessing to many, I believe, this, this episode. Well, I pray that it is, certainly is. That's that's my hope, my prayer. And um, I know that uh, if it's okay, if we can say a prayer that uh, over the fathers, the people listening here today, that God would impart to them a, uh, a spirit of wisdom uh, so that they can understand their their role and, and, and be empowering and be given the grace to be what God wants them to be. That would be awesome. Absolutely. Why don't you go ahead and lead that, brother? Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. I thank you, God, for your loving kindness. I thank you, God, for each and every person hearing this today. Uh, I pray, God, that somehow you reach down into the hearts, God, of every father, of every mother, Lord Jesus, and help them to understand that their role is vital in the home, just as the role of the pastor is in the church. We need pastors in the home. We need people in the home that will lead and guide children, that will bring them up in the ways of the Lord and train them properly. Not just take them to church to get fed, not just take them to church to get taught, but will teach them in the home and impart to them the principles and the wisdom of God. Just as uh, Moses, when he was imparting the revelation of the oneness of God in Deuteronomy 6, we've often failed to see that beyond the, the, the revelation in verse 4 was instructions on how to live out the oneness of God, on how to live out a a life that is committed and loyal to one God. And that's not divided uh, where our heart that's not divided. And that's through parents teaching their children diligently. Uh, and we find that in the verses following verse four and verses five through seven. I pray God in the name of Jesus that you would continue to do the work in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Again, thank you so much for your time, Brother Sternerman. Um, who knows, maybe we'll be able to do this again in the future, uh, Lord willing. Um, but, again, just thank you so much. This has been tremendous. Yes, sir. Appreciate you and love you. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.